Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Chris, and I'm joined by Stu. Hello. And just Stu this week, it's just another two-person, and what's becoming quite common this season, a two-person episode. Spot yeah. the three people who've had a very busy year. Yeah. But and we have, have busy lives and still trying to flog this dead horse. Wow. <laughs> that is this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Such confidence. <laughs> Uh, but we've got a United States Grand Prix to talk about, and a pretty damn good Grand Prix, I thought. Yeah, brilliant Grand Prix, very enjoyable, really good race. Mm. Lots, lots, and lots happened. Lots to talk about across the spectrum of things to talk about. Formula One, I think there's a, every single box was ticked over this weekend, which is yeah always exciting. After like a few races of kind of chaos, I was hoping for just like. A good race for more normal reasons and we almost got that almost still, a, still some weirdness going on but almost good yeah we should start at the top with verstappen and red bull wrapped up the their first constructors title since 2013 uh, with probably one of verstappen's less straightforward wins but still an utterly convincing one yeah dominant display very yeah. dominant display it, it kind of it's scary the pace that car has isn't it because it's crazy it just shows you how he was pacing himself right up mm. to the point where he had a bad pit stop and it's like all oh, right well i better actually I'll open start the putting effort in now yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i just say a, a pretty rare pit stop error from red bull uh, it kind of looked like a failure with one of the wheel guns i think but i don't think i've said anything officially uh, so yeah, dropped it behind Hamilton, Leclerc, but it was there. There was a brief period where it looked like things might not go his way, but um, it, it was a very brief period. Ultimately, yeah. it was a fairly comfortable win. Took the lead with six laps to spare. Yeah. That's eight wins in a row now for Red Bull, which equals their own record from 2013. And I wouldn't bet against them extending that record. Mm-hmm. Uh, also the 13th win of the season for Verstappen which ties the record for the most wins in a season of any driver yeah caveat just... with the fact that we've got more races than ever before yeah the he's, Formula 1 season he's taken slightly longer than Schumacher and I think it's Vettel isn't it shares that record to get there but still all the same however many races you have 13 wins is 13 wins just across a career in Formula 1 is a lot of wins. Yeah, a lot of drivers would kill for that. Yeah. So one win in Formula 1 is an achievement. To to win 13 times or or more than that in yeah. other cases is, is incredible. It's amazing, yeah. They've just been unbelievable this season. Like They've rarely put a foot wrong. I think the start of the season was a little bit shaky. Obviously, a few reliability gremlins... Um, I know they called them gremlings then, which is like a baby gremlin. I yeah, suppose. small gremlin. Um, and yeah, um, it's been it's been a very, very, very dominant season for Red Bull. They've, but then when you spend an extra two million on your car, that's uh, I mean, what's going to happen. We've, we've got to wait till next October to find out how much they spent this season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm actually, I actually think we're going to avoid talking about the cost cap this season. Yeah, this I think week. we should. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll avoid it. Uh, yeah, as we said, there was a there was a brief period where it looked like Hamilton might get a win. Uh, I mean, the, it's probably among the best pace Mercedes have had in the race all season. There's probably only been one or two other races where they've had 
sort of pace to match the front runners quite so well. But um, yeah, I mean, Mercedes left the race as soon as Verstappen got past Leclerc. They knew it was game over, basically. There was there was not a whole lot that could yeah. be done. Down the straights, man. The Red Bull on the straights is just... I think there's something like 17Ks, like faster than... Before even DRS was taken into account. It's just so much quicker. On a straight that long um, as well. Yeah, so I think like there's a couple of sort of reasons that have started to surface as to why the Red Bull is a bit quicker. I think like one of them is the switch to E10 fuels. It looks like the Honda engines responded better to that yeah. potentially than than the uh, than the Mercedes one. Um, George Russell, I think, alluded to it over the over the last couple of weekends. It's it's been mentioned, um, which is totally believable. You know, like it is a is a big change in fuel, mm-hmm. and when when the Mercedes was the class of the field, it was obviously very well optimized to take advantage of the previous formula of fuel. Yeah, um, and I, if and you, you take I don't that away, think then you can understate the job that Honda have done this season as well. Like mm. Honda have played a big part in Red Bull's success this year. Yeah. And Red Bull powertrains. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, it's classic it's Honda. Honda that, oh no, we'll leave, but we'll kind of stay. Oh look, we've won, but it's not really us. It's, yeah. Yeah. Bit silly <clears> on there. But although the badges are back on now, aren't they? They've sort of struck a deal to get the Honda badges back on. Yeah, the they've kind of like, which is, I think, fair play, you know. Yeah, I think Because it is a Honda. And you know what's to say they can't sort of backtrack a little bit and yeah. sort of re re you know actually take advantage of like some of the 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 credit take some of the credit for for what they've created because oh it, totally it's a Red Bull it's a excuse me it's a Honda engine fundamentally yeah. it's a Honda engine and it's going to be a Honda engine again I think in the next couple of seasons anyway isn't it they decided that's, to come more or less come back that's sort of half come back like it's still going to technically be Red Bull powertrains going to going to be like in association with Honda or something yeah aka Honda engines <laughs> yeah bit silly um but yeah uh, for actually first podium amazingly for Hamilton since Hungary which is a very long time ago he's um hmm. which surprised me but yeah he's had a some good drives but like a few problems and Things haven't quite gone his way, and obviously the Mercedes pacing him all over the place. But um, I mean, he drove the wheels off that car here. It was, he was, it was like all the best drivers. Yeah, just like you gave him a sniff of a good result, and he was just yeah, on it, completely on it. We even heard Hamilton, Hamilton, which we've not heard for quite a while, actually. Yeah, it was. It did take me back to sort of early part of the season, and then into last year really that, that you know that that feeling of tension does there's just something so palpable yeah. when the two of them go head to head you know you're in for some an epic time you're in you're mm-hmm. in for seeing some probably some real most likely some really good racing potentially some fireworks but you know you get in action when those two go side by side and and we got it yeah it's funny like obviously we had we had like a proper battle between Verstappen and Leclerc for a few laps but as good as it was, there was never quite that level of like drama that you got when as soon as Verstappen rolled on Hamilton, it's like, oh, here we go. Like, yeah. there's just something more to it with them, isn't there? Yeah, if, if I had a watch on, an Apple watch or a, or a Garmin <laughs> watch or whatever, I bet my heart rate would have been like through Spiked. the roof. Yeah, I was, honestly, I was like, you know, when you get that feeling of like, 
high blood pressure. <laughs> your head feels like it's going to explode. Your iPhone starts calling an ambulance for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like that. Uh, who's next? Leclerc. Uh, he took some engine penalties, but had a pretty strong comeback drive from 12th on the grid. Uh, some pretty tasty overtakes along the way. Um, I mean, I'm sure the bomb on Perez will mention a little later on. And yeah, had that battle with Verstappen, but ultimately couldn't hold him off to finish uh, third. Fifth podium in the row, which is the most he's ever had. Um, moves him back to second in the Drivers' Championship. Yeah, um, just by a couple of points, isn't it? Yeah, still really close. Uh, but yeah, like, good drive with what was, at best, the second fastest car, as has usually been the case with Ferrari this year. Yeah. Um, he did get quite lucky with the safety car. Well... Got lucky slash played well in the safety car, um, which yeah. gained him a bit more. But I think the way he was going, I think third was probably where he was going to finish regardless. Yeah, I would I would agree with that overall. I think um, it was the, it's the, obviously the engine penalties that, that got him down the grid, wasn't it? Yeah. To, but, uh, to set up that for him in the first place. So they kind of had to go long. Mm-hmm. Like if they wanted to get a re- was it engine penalties he got this weekend? What was the penalty that? Yeah, it was. He kind of, I can't exactly what he took, but he took a couple of components. Yeah. So like, obviously, when when you're going down the grid like that, and you're on, you kind of automatically. I mean, but this is Ferrari we're talking about in strategy here, <laughs> so we're getting into the realms of un, unknowns. But um, the sensible strategy when you're in the fastest car or one of the fastest cars and you're a bit further down the grid is to try and go long and hope for a safety car even though the united states grand prix doesn't necessarily generate safety cars that often um other than this weekend Mm. um it, it is the sensible strategy because it means that you can take advantage in the way that they did and make up some you know i think it was an 11 second cost the pit stop you know, yeah as opposed to like a 20 plus seconds stop so you know half the time in the pit lane compared to all the other cars around him um and yeah it just got a lot of the work done for him uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm laboring this now everyone everyone understands <laughs> what happens when someone pits under a safety car so i won't go on it for too long but yeah i mean it worked well for them and uh, it, it, my point is ferrari actually did well with strategy for once yeah. And they seem to have now the we said it last week. Now the pressure's off. Definitely. They just seem to have sort of switched on the strategy and like lost that sort of crimson mist that they have. <laughs> that they've had. It's in a the blast past. from the past. Yeah. Uh, not so good on the other side of the Ferrari garage. Signs got a really brilliant pole position on Saturday, but couldn't make it much further than turn one. <laughs> Thoughts yeah. on that this incident is- with Russell? So the, yeah, this one, I think racing, I think, <laughs> I think if some of the other things that happened during the race were considered racing incidents, <laughs> and I think if, well, I'm just going to say it, I think if, if the Stroll and Alonso incident was deemed a racing incident. Oh, it wasn't in the end. Oh, was it not? No. Well, at wasn't. the time it was. It was, there was no instant penalty. Well, it was. It was. I think Castrol's out. I was like, oh, we'll deal with it after the race. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Well, there was some other incident anyway that was considered. There was the Perez incident. and was it Magnussen? I think where Perez um, damaged his front wing. That was fairly aggressive. Um, 
I don't know. I I do think Russell deserved a penalty for that. Like, I I would call it. This is not like Mercedes partisanship or anything like that. I genuinely would call that a racing incident. It's turn one for a start. So there's a lot of cars all trying to be in the same place. I mean, Russell himself has admitted that it was his fault, but I think he's been hard on himself. I think he's already picked his line. He's already he's on the inside line. He's he's already braking, so there's not much he can do at that point. It's not like he's accelerated into him. He was on the brakes when the collision happened. Or was it well, it was I suppose it was on the on the exit of the corner, but still like you're not expecting the car on the outside to jink to the inside like that on the exit of a corner. It was Signs did take a particularly strange line through the corner. Yeah, which is um, why I think it's a racing incident. But at the same but time, I, like Signs was um, Russell was the car behind. Yeah, it's kind true. of on him to not drive into the car in front. Um, yeah, that is that is true. That is true. It's um, a weird corner as well for the start of a race. It's a great corner, but it does you do end up with it's it so wide. You end up with so many different lines going into a pinch point. Yeah, exactly. Like you get all those, you know, it's really, really wide. You, you you go from three lanes to to one in the space of ten meters. Yeah. I think on, on that on that circuit, like they all like after the apex, the various apexes of that corner, they all kind of like just pinch together into one line again, don't they? Which is yeah. natural. That's of course yeah. that's what's going to happen because there can only be one optimum line after that turn. But um. Yeah, I feel like it was a little bit hard. I don't think it was necessarily like a five-second penalty. I think like term. I've, I've seen worse accidents in turn one, and penalties not be given. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, I've seen think... you know I've seen cars in, in the first couple of corners, like two or three corners, take other cars off track and not get penalties for it. So and and there be collisions involved, like people elbowing people off track. Um, I guess the fact that it was a big spin and it was it got turned around the other way and it it looked obviously very dramatic probably played a part but ultimately I think way worse things have happened than that and and there's been no penalties handed out in the past. Again, uh, you're asking for consistency there, aren't you? I am absolutely. I am. I'm, yeah, yeah. And How I will dare I'll you? keep I'll keep doing it. I will keep doing <laughs> it for this podcast. There's a few things that happened this race that require consistency. Well, yeah. Um, I think five seconds was fair. He got two license points as well, which is maybe a bit. That's probably a bit much. It's not like he went steaming in. Like I don't know. I don't think I was necessarily the best, especially if you look at the other things that got the same number of penalty points this race. But there we go. Uh, but yeah, real shame for Science. Like he he had really good pace all weekend. I think yeah. he would have. I still don't think he'd have beaten Verstappen. Well, I mean Verstappen got him off the line, so it was obviously going to be a. Yeah, it was I mean that was game over there. anyway, but um, yeah. But it would have yeah, been nice shame. for him to be in the race to have the fight. I think it would. Yeah, it was a shame for him. Yeah. Uh, who next? Let's talk about Aston Martin, who suddenly had a very fast car. Um, we'll do Seb first. Uh, from tenth on the grid, he ran sixth for the vast majority of the race, actually, uh, including a lap in the lead. He actually got to lead another lap, which is not a thing I thought I'd be saying about Sebastian Vettel this season, but I was very happy to see it happen. Um, Aston Martin then shot themselves in the foot by giving him a horrifically slow stop, which dropped him all the way back to 13th. Um, But he had a pretty feisty comeback after that. Um, Beat Magnussen on the final lap to get back into 8th place. 
really, really good drive from Seb. It, it was another one of those, like, you give someone a sniff for a good result and they just come to life kind of things, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was a killer drive. It was awesome. Did you see the onboard of him crossing the line? Yeah, he's cheering, wasn't he? He's yeah, like he'd the won the race. Like, like he'd won the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a feeling. <laughs> I think... Uh, because it was like kind of a bit of a drag race as well, wasn't it? Down to the line. Like yeah. he, he was like sliding on the way out of that corner, that final corner. Yeah. He, I think he was expecting Magnussen to get him again. And um, yeah, he just had the that little bit more grip than he was able to keep the keep the lead. But yeah, Such it was a really, really good ending. Spicy last lap. Big time. Um, and then Stroll. So he was fifth on the grid, ran third in the early stages, looking really good. Um, he lost places to Russell and Perez, as you expect, but he was holding the station pretty nicely. And then we had the safety car restart and the crash with Alonso. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to know the stewards' thoughts on it first? Go on then, yeah. So, the stewards in the end said they put Stroll predominantly, but not wholly to blame. He has mm-hmm. been given a three-place penalty for the next race, and two points on his license which to go back to my previous point russell getting two points and stroll getting two points is madness like there's no way those two incidents are worth the same on a system yeah. that is there to judge bad driving standards it's just but, the dumbest thing isn't it like they're just yeah. it's just it's so arbitrary it really is. um yeah okay so I mean, I think as well, like to, to to dish out points when someone's predominantly to blame. Does that mean like Alonso should get half the number of penalty points? That yeah, yeah, like how much? Stroll what got? percentage is predominantly? Is that yeah. like 60, 70, yeah. 80? It's just such woolly flimflam, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So yeah, my feel, my initial feeling on it when I saw a few replays and saw it happen, um, I actually almost missed it happening live, but I did see it. Um. <laughs> Was I was pretty outraged at, at Stroll to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was it, obviously it was quite a late, late move to defend. And he on the replay on the onboard camera, you can see him sort of looking in his mirrors, and he's already looking at him, so he knows where he is, he knows yeah. where he's going. Then he turns left to be in his way. I think, though, as well, having had a little bit more time to think about it, I think my initial thing was Stroll entirely to blame that was absolutely outrageous i can't believe he just did that and caused such a huge airplane crash um but then i also think alonso maybe left the move got a little bit close and maybe waited a maybe a fraction of a second too long to initiate the move to to go around him like there's a a lot of brinksmanship going on between the pair of them at that point Mm. And I think maybe just a marginally a little bit too too late from Alonso as well, which is probably why the stewards would say predominantly to blame for. Yeah, stroll. that's he just got that bit too right. close to him before he made the move. I think yeah. if, he, if he if he makes the move, you know, half a second sooner than he did, then he's not quite as close, and he's got time to react to what 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 st- the direction stroll goes, and then he can send him the dummy and go the other way i think that's the safer move yeah in that situation. i think i think that's fair like it was it was in uh, for the most part caused by a very very late defensive jink from stroll but i think you're right i think if alonso had initiated his move a little earlier he'd probably have had more time to react to what was a really bad defense yeah 
I think um, it's and it's it's having that awareness of who you're racing against as well. Stroll's not particularly known as like the best racing driver on the Formula One circuit, is he? So mm-hmm. knowing you're going up against that car and your Alonso, I just think you need to be a little bit more cautious in that situation. Do you think there's possibly also a bit of um, making a point against your future teammate going on there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a possibility there, big time for sure. Because um, like, as people in the chat have said, Alonso was like surprisingly tame about the whole thing afterwards. But then he's not going to be having a go at the boss's son <laughs> before he joins no. the team, is he? So no. But um, yeah, I think predominantly Stroll to blame is right. I think it was dumb to to defend sort of that harshly in that situation. I think it was only ever going to go one way. Yeah. That was obvious. But again, you know, it's easy to sit here in front of a microphone on a Monday night and say these things when these guys are going nearly 200 miles an hour mm-hmm. and making these decisions in the blink of a blink of an eye. So, you know, I'm not going to criticize either of them too much because at the end of the day, like if if they don't crash and Alonso moves a little bit further to the left and gets all the way around him. We're, we're we're sort of getting all excited about what an amazing move Alonso has just done. So, yeah, it was one of those that could have gone either way, and unfortunately, it went the uh, the worst the way, way. The way, the worst way, the way of the sky. You've got to say as well what a missed opportunity for Aston Martin this weekend was. Like, oh, yeah, they could reasonably. I mean, yeah, yeah, they've come away with what a seventh place in the end was it for Vettel well it's seventh at the moment because of Alonso's penalty which we'll get on to um, but yeah they've come away with maybe six maybe four points they could possibly could be on digits. for like yeah easily like Stroll was Vettel was on for a sixth place and Stroll was actually ahead of him for much of the race like it could have been like a fifth, fifth and sixth six, six and seven, maybe a sixth and seventh yeah. yeah which is huge points in the position they're in so to lose that through a silly on track incident and a poor pit stop is it's the kind of things they really need to iron out if they want to be properly competing at the front yeah 100% uh, right speaking of Alonso we gotta start with how on earth did he finish that race I, I, I just don't know how that car kept going no, me neither. I thought he would be... I wrote him off immediately. Yeah. You see that... I thought... Literally, I thought he was going to retire, and then suddenly he shows up in the pit lane. He's like, oh, he's getting a new front wing. Oh, he's still going. And now he's still going. He recovered back to seventh. Like, he was plumb last, I think, after that. <sighs> Unbelievable. Yeah, I need to see that on board. Yeah. Like, what are they making the suspension out of on that Alpine? Because... Yeah. We've seen like lesser things and front suspension on F one cars just fall to pieces like spaghetti. Yeah, I guess like part of it is it was like a a, a vertical impact. Yeah, for the most part. Was... other than the initial sort of climbing up the back of the uh, the Aston Martin. Yeah, it was like a the, the big impact was the front all the, the front wheels and and it was the 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 top down. So and the suspension is designed. To, yeah, that's that's to true. do that. But um, it can't. It wouldn't have done any good. Like it, it probably God, got no. a bit of. Um, he must have had some steering issues and stuff. Even that he was would have been driving around because there's no way that car goes through. I mean, it was scraping down the wall at one point. Yeah, 
that there's it's no way that car is is as comfortable to drive after that incident as it was just before it. Absolutely crazy. But yeah, recovered to seventh. Um, very impressive. What a performance, However, yeah. he has subsequently been given a 10-second stop-go penalty, which has been converted to a 30-second time penalty, as they do, for the car being sent back onto the track in an unsafe condition, the which is thing I've ever related to his mirror flapping around, which then later fell off. They could have just um, given him the meatball flag. Well, they, this is this is not only Alpine's argument, but interestingly, in the steward's statement, uh, the steward said um, the stewards are deeply concerned that Car 14 was not given the black and orange flag or at least a radio call to rectify the situation, despite the two calls to race control by the Haas team. So even the stewards are asking why race control didn't throw the black and orange flag for it's him madness it's the it's, same it's the same for Perez. yeah like the exact same incident has happened to magnuson what three times now uh at least three times it's at least three i think it's three isn't it he's had the meatball flag three times for his front wing end plate being a bit wibbly yeah and um everyone like everyone saw that happening to perez i think the, the obviously the the broadcast director saw it on perez and zoomed in on it straight away yeah that's the narrative there is this the, the reason it, they're showing that is because this car is about to get a meatball because it's meatball time yeah it's meatball time um and meatball time never came we were, we were lost left, the flag again we were sitting hungry waiting for <laughs> our meatballs and they just didn't show up we had to call the waiter over and everything. Where's my meatballs? Still, the the waiter had no explanation as to where the meatball had had gone. We're out. And now Fresh I'm still, wa- still waiting for my meatball. It's um, re- it's so yeah. frustrating. Like, it's the dumbest thing ever. So the uh, the argument against Perez game one was basically that Red Bull provided the race car with some photos that apparently proved it was safe enough to not get one. But it's like, where was Hassi's opportunity to send some photos over? Every time Magnussen's had one, it's like barely half a lap later. It's like, get the meatball flag out. It's it's so weird. It's just mad. It's just they, absolutely stupid. They didn't use that flag for literally a decade. Seemed to remember they had it and then flapped it at every opportunity. And now they've just sort of put it away in a box again. Maybe they forgot to take it with them this yeah, time. Yeah, until Kevin Magnussen has a... Or until anyone <sighs> other than... You can understand Hattie's frustration. Totally. To- I mean, that that's the only reason they filed the protests, I think, was because of because of this, isn't it? Uh, because yeah, they're yeah, getting totally. constantly, constantly getting black and orange flags, and no one else is getting them. So of course you're going to file a protest. Like, I think it's outrageous. I really do. Yeah, it's just yeah, it is. It's There's no other word shocking, for it. It's shockingly inconsistent again. Yeah. Just constant. And here we are again. We even had a good race this weekend, and here we are again talking about stewarding and the FIA. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I said it last week. I said it a week before. I am sick to death of it um and yeah sarah and chash pointed out like when when the mirror did fall off it actually nearly hit magnuson's yeah. car and like there is like it, i don't disagree that the car wasn't really in a safe state to be out there they did need to sort that but just sort it out tell them they need to sort it out themselves don't wait till after don't wait for it to fall off and nearly hit a car and then let the race finish and then be like, oh, by the way, yeah. here's a 10-second well, stop go. It's The only consistency is that they gave the same 
they did the they did do the same with Perez. They allowed the the the, the component to fall off the car mm. and didn't do anything about it. But then, if that's happened, and I suppose that the, they've they've found a way of, of issuing a penalty without affecting Perez because the, the penalty is for the release. It's actually for the release of the car from the pit lane in an unsafe condition, yeah. rather than not bringing the car in for any you know it's it's not a I, I don't believe that it was obvious when that car came into the pits for a new front wing that the the mirror would have been flapping at that point you can't like yeah because the there's the no way you can is, tell it was in the pits they saw it chose not to do anything about it and then sent him out which i yeah i don't think was the case i don't think there would have been a chance to see that it's not like he was hanging off it was just sort of bouncing around a bit i don't know yeah it was vibrant well it's vibrating at high speed wasn't yeah. it? yeah yeah exactly um, and what the if you're going to issue a penalty the penalty would be i mean i don't think there i don't think a penalty exists for it unless you show them the meatball flag and they don't come in it's almost like they literally have a flag designed for this exact situation yeah and then they didn't do it yeah it. So yeah, I I just I just think it's ridiculous. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I agree. Glaring, consistently inconsistent is what it is, and it's just irritating. Uh, Alpine have appealed, unsurprisingly. Um, An FIA document says that the hearing is going to be on Thursday, the twenty fourth of October, which is a date that doesn't exist. So well, it does, but just in a few years' time. Yeah, not this year. So yeah, we'll wait and see if and when that hearing takes place and what the results of the race ends up being. Um, in terms of, I don't think it will make a huge difference to predictions league, but just in case it does um, to anybody, we always go off the official result. So that's how we're taking it. But I don't imagine that result will have changed anything for anyone. But there we go. Yeah. Uh, a couple of. Honourable mentions, we've sort of already mentioned Magnussen. He managed to make a one-stop work, uh, finished eighth. That ends a seven-race streak with no points for him. Uh, and Sonoda as well finished tenth, which ended a ten-race streak without points for him. So good day for both of them. Uh, and then Norris was basically in a race-long battle with Alonso. Despite Alonso like being in the air at one point and dropping to the back, he still seemed to always end up fighting Norris. Um, mm. Norris also had... He hit some debris and had a damaged front-wheel fairing thing. Um, but he managed to drag the car into sixth um, and give... He was very good, because especially if you look where his teammate was, but um less said about that, the better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so that gives, what was it, eight points for McLaren and seven for Alpine because Ocon only came 10th. So closes that gap ever so slightly, but still very close. Still work to do, yeah. 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 Who are you rooting for? Who, who do you want out of those two to win ahead, to be it to finish ahead, uh, McLaren or Alpine? Um, I mean, I'm, I've always been a McLaren fan in general but like for this season the way it is now I've not really got like that much of a dog in the fight I'm just kind of hoping that's an interesting fight that goes to the end like if it really comes down to it I'd prefer to see McLaren crowd on top but I'm just enjoying the fact that it is a battle between the two of them yeah I'm I think I'm more or less with you there I I prefer to see McLaren do it to Alpine I just feel like McLaren are Alpine are kind of like a fake manufacturer team almost. 
you know what I mean? Like it's just a rebadge Renault. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I've rebadged it, you like, fool. McLaren are kind of like, I don't know. They seem like a more. I don't know. I, I'm more of a fan of McLaren. That's why. That's yeah. the basic reason for me. If we're, if we're going to really, really basic reasoning. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to mention before we go on to the awards? Um, not just yet. No. In that case, then driver of the day. Quite a few to choose Ooh. from, I think. Yeah, that is a tough one. Um. Oh boy, I mean Verstappen's in with a shout. I think to to re- good recovery. Um, didn't really himself do anything necessarily wrong. I don't no. think. Um, drove very well. Won the race despite his team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hamilton. He could probably make an argument for as well. I mean, if I think Hamilton had won, he would have been a shoe in. Um, yeah, as it was. I mean, he still like extracted everything out of that. I think. Yeah. His tyres um, were gone, Bono, at the end as well. Yeah. It was like hemorrhaging time to Leclerc behind. If yeah. that race had gone on like a few more laps, I think he would have got done by Leclerc as well. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of suggestions for Alonso. Um, no. Sorry, no. You think his part in the crash disqualifies him? Yeah. I think That's that was fair. avoidable. I think it was an avoidable incident. I think he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to. He just didn't have to leave it as late as he did. If he'd left, he'd done it a little bit. He'd been a little bit smarter about it, then it would have been an easy overtake. Um, I am, however, unsurprisingly, and because it's probably the last time I'll ever get to, in all seriousness, nominate him for it. Say Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, it's got to be Vettel. Yeah, hundred percent. Got to be. He was. Yeah, he was incredibly just. Yeah, and just over to watch. Is Vettel at his best? It really was. Uh, move of the day. Leclerc on Perez was good. Yeah, that was... I Watching that, I don't think he intended most of that overtake. That looked like, <laughs> that looked like a flying by the sea of your pants kind of overtake. It was very yeah. much a, like, he was later on, I think Perez was maybe a bit earlier on the brakes than Leclerc expected. So yeah. Leclerc had to kind of change his line into the braking zone and sort of modulate the brakes to like not lock up, but also make the corner. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a, it's almost a Verstappen-esque move, I thought, like just barrel straight towards yeah. the apex and then force your opponent out of the way. Quite um, vintage Ricardo, I thought as well. R- Ricardo? Yeah, like if you think back in the day when Ricardo oh, would like... Yeah, lick the stamp and send it, kind of. Like that, that race he won in China always springs to mind, where he just passed yeah. like six people in the closing laps. Yeah, that was a good one, yeah. Um, Reminiscent of that, for sure. Yeah, um, I enjoyed the sort of duel that Leclerc and Verstappen had, but like it wasn't like a slam dunk overtake. It was just a fun duel. Yeah, um, Vettel and Magnussen at the end was rad. That was really good. Vettel was barely in control. Of, like he was on the <laughs> very limit of grip. In that, they car. were all over the place. Yeah, it was amazing around the outside as well. Oh, so 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 good. It's a good circuit. Like these Great cars, circuit. I think as well. Like. I think for these cars, this is a really good circuit because now, yeah, there was a bit of sort of tire differential going on, up and down the up and down the field, but still, like we were seeing overtakes where you wouldn't necessarily always expect yeah. to see them, like round the outside of um, the the inverse turn eight, 
vibe. You know, you know the mm. one I mean, don't you? The yeah, one yeah. That's like it's, it's a right hander rather than a left. When yeah. I say inverse turn eight, obviously I refer to um, Istanbul Park because um, we we've always said that. Kota, Circuit of the Americas, is a bit of a greatest hits of all the best yeah. tracks. So you've got the S's from Suzuka or the or Cox Maggots Beckett's from um, from Silverstone, however you, want, however you want to look at that section of track. There's, yeah, there's the turn eight section, then there's some long straights and stuff. It's, it's all, all of its own turn one these days as well. There's bits of Malaysia in there, like just loads of really, really good corners. Um, and yeah, it, it just for these cars it gives opportunities i think that not many other tracks do and and there's 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 the track is peppered with with places where in in the 2022 car you can try and overtake yeah Um, although most of the overtakes were done down the long old straight they were but because i think the problem this track always had was that the sector one kind of is so aero dependent it tended to string them out so you were just completely reliant on drs to even have a chance of passing whereas yeah this this year that seemed to be way less of an issue and Mm. same with the inverse turn eight like they could stay close through there and it made like the final corner and turn one more spots yeah it was great i really 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 enjoyed that race yeah very enjoyable um, but yeah, I think I think my actual move of the day, I think Vettel on Magnussen at the end. I think we're going to go double Vettel for this one. Oh, we are. I was I was almost leaning to walk back towards Leclerc because I expected you to say that. But if you want to go for double Vettel, I can go for double Vettel. Yeah, double Vettel. Uh, and then final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Hmm. I mean, Alonso finishing the race is a good one. That you've got it down there. <laughs> yeah. How on earth he managed to finish that? Yeah. Stroll's defense, I think. I think more like the whole situation. Yeah. Is, is quite WTF, but not not. It's really just racing though, and it is just that brinksmanship of like who's gonna move, you know, who's gonna make the move at the at the late, at the yeah. last moment, and that's just inherent of motor racing. That's just what happens. So. I don't think that's quite the WTF that maybe some people might think it is. Um, meatball flag is obviously a huge one. Yeah. Um, F, just a classic FIA. But I think the the one you've got written down there that strikes me the most is lap deleting or not. Yeah, this was going to be mine as well. Like, I'm guessing you've seen the side-by-side pictures of I think it was Joe and yeah. Verstappen. Yeah. Um, at, I can't remember the corner numbers, but it's the left-hander before the inverse turn eight. Yeah. And there's two photos of cars in exactly Identical. the same place, and one of them got their lap deleted and one of them didn't. And it doesn't matter who the two drivers are. It's just like... Yeah. Why Why would you only do it for one driver and not the other one? It's so silly. And the, the whole system just seems to depend on someone bothering to have a look. Like, there's no automated system. There's no... There's, I know there's it's, conspiracy theorists out there, Chris, that disappear with you, disagree with you, but... And this is the problem. Like, I don't believe in any conspiracy theories, but man, do they make it easy for people who yeah. do believe in them. Exactly. That's the issue, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, like, there comes a point when it's almost hard to not believe the conspiracy theories because it happens so often and it just it does seem to favour lately it seems to be favouring one team an awful lot to me I, in the last sort of couple of years 
I think the the idea of the the conspiracy theories where like the FIA are like doing things underhand to favor certain teams over others would require a level of competence that I don't <laughs> believe the FIA have displayed for a very long time. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that is true. But I mean it is it could it be the case that it's just unconscious bias? It could that's be going on. And someone in the chat um, as well just said maybe they're also keeping more of an eye on drivers like Joe, Gasly, Latifi for track limits than they are your Verstappen, your Hamilton, Sinclair's of the world. That. Possibly, I don't buy that because they're all out there. To, you know, they're all racing hard, and they're all making the exact same sort of judgments on track and making the same mistakes on track when they're pushing. Um, it look the simple fact is it shouldn't be that for one driver it's a penalty and then for another driver it isn't yeah exactly it's as simple as that whatever whatever the situation is whether it's whether it's deleting lap times whether it's um pushing cars wide not giving enough room whether it's driving meatball flags meatball flags all of it like it just there's just not enough consistent i have never seen it as bad as this either so consistently bad i've never seen it where they get they're, they're clearly getting so many of these situ yeah these uh, decisions wrong and these situations wrong and and just not doing enough to discourage it as well i just think you can't blame them you can't blame these you can't blame people for for coming up with the wild theories that they do because they give them so much fuel <laughs> to yeah. do it you know um, I mean, McCheco in the chat has said, do we prefer Michael Massey then, I think, with his tongue firmly in cheek? But, like, the fact that Michael Massey was got rid of and we still have these problems kind of proves that he was... Or that, or that for, for all of his mistakes, he was only part of the problem like no well i think he, he no, was ma- I, he was made escape he was made escape go for all of the problems and by replacing him they have not got rid of a lot of the problems yeah I, well i think maybe there is something in that but i do think it, it was particularly bad with massey and i think the way massey handled oh, yeah, it, it and like the way the way it often got turned into the michael massey show um was was the real issue there and i think he was quite clearly you know the number number of interviews he used to give and the number of um decisions he used to make it i think a lot of the time he there was an element of let's let's make this about michael massey and not about formula one kind of thing oh yeah don't get me wrong definitely don't think he should come back um no an, an interesting thing as well in the wake of the uh controversy from suzuka they've decided to abandon the alternating race director's idea and they're only going to have one race director for all of the remaining races which i think is a good move i think when you've got uh, when you've got a different race director each week you're never going to get consistency and you're never gonna like the drivers always said like they'd there'd be something they'd have a question about and they'd get to the next race and there'd be a different bloke there so they'd ask a question yeah i mean be like oh, it not- wasn't me he was the other one i don't know yeah if it's not working it's not working and yeah, clearly it's- it sounds like that wasn't quite working the way maybe they intended it to so yeah i mean so good on the problem for doing is it, that at least it, well if you're gonna i mean there's ways around it though there's i mean I, there may be throwing the baby out with the bathwater there because maybe it's possible to you know have two people have two have two these guys are the stewards of the sport essentially yeah like it's possible and there's, and there's only one rule book <laughs> yeah so it, 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 
maybe it's possible that there's something wrong with the rules and not the people implying them, uh, mm. uh, implicating them, and maybe that's what the issue is. Maybe, maybe there's a communication issue between the people who are who are responsible for applying the rules as well. Yeah, like. I think the the stewards um, openly questioning and reading between the lines, criticising race direction in an official document speaks volumes about the where the relationship between the FA and F1 are at the moment. And we we yeah. spoke about it at length last week, so I'm not going to lay yeah, the point. But... Going, yeah, well, yeah. The um the other thing though, to speak about consistency and inconsistency, is there's different stewards still every week as well, isn't there? Well, yeah, and again, how much consistency are you going to get when it's a different set of people making the decisions every yeah. week? And the mad thing is, right, like, if they say they can't get the same bunch of people to come and do the stewarding every week for every race in Formula 1 over a, over the course of a season, well, the drivers manage it. The drivers manage yeah. to get to every race all season. The all team the personnel do, all manage like, yeah. to get to the same all the races all season. The, yeah, the mechanics all, all manage it. So... Why? Why is it so difficult for the FIA to gather up a set of, you know, five or six people to apply stewarding over the course of it, from race yeah. control over the like course they, of a season? They don't even all necessarily need to be at every race. Like they could do it from Biggin Hill. They could do it yeah. from. They could do it from Geneva. They could do they, it from anywhere. They go to the racetrack and they sit in a room full of TV screens. So like they could do that, from yeah, from anywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's a drum we've been banging for years now, though. Yeah. Right, I should we do some like, predictions? Just just to counter that argument actually, really quick, like one argument against it would be that if there is a steward's inquiry, then they'd probably have to do it over Zoom and not necessarily be able to do it face to face with drivers and teams. So that could raise issues for public. Yeah. But I my my counter argument to that is you know, they do there's a lot of stuff that goes on over Zoom inside Formula One <laughs> and it works just fine. So yeah, I I Again, I'm just completely and utterly, continuously baffled <laughs> by the stewarding in 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 Formula One and baffled and the is the word and, for it. Yeah, it's bizarre. And it, the thing is, as well, you, in in professional sport, I say this all the time. In professional sport, you expect rules to be applied consistently and fairly across, in the spirit of competition, across the board, mm-hmm. and it just ruins the spirit of competition across across everything. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. That's my run over. <laughs> Let's move on. Predictions brought to you as ever by our friends at Grid Rival. Uh, well, we'll start with us. We got a point each. Me and Tom got Verstappen to win. Stu, you got 17 finishes. That's it. That's all there is to say. Um, mm. I think Verstappen not being on pole has been the downfall of uh, a lot of people this weekend. Uh, most notably, Ben McKinstop. McInstop? McInstop. Sure. Uh, he got four points, and the only thing he missed out on was uh, Verstappen not getting pole position. So he's let a lot of people down there. Have you, Max? But still, four or five is a decent score. Uh, Jano Berger is still top of the standings on 31. John Murphy's on 30 and a half, and Tom Thorne on 30. So it's still very, very close at the at the top there. Um, over in Grid Rival, our top scorer this week is uh, Rose Roscoe. It's Lewis's dog. Got the top yeah. scorer this week. Uh, Roscoe got 1,069 points. So well done, Roscoe. Nice. Um, biggest gainer in team value was Felipe Gurgel, 
who gained £8.7 million. I could do with some of that because my team is hemorrhaging cash these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Wouldn't it be then, great if Grid, Grid Rival actually gave you that amount of money too? That would be <laughs> Just nice. Just in your bank for winning. Um, and then in terms of the overall standings, Green Lantern Core is still top on 18,248 points with Team Odors and Effortlessly both still not that far behind. There's still like four, 500 points covers the top three, so still lots to play for there. If you want to get involved with any of that, you can go to backofthegrid.com where you can sign up to the Predictions League for free, uh, and you can find all the links to our Grid Rival League as well. All of which brings us on to... We're back into back-to-back territory now. Mexican Grand Prix this weekend. Is that this weekend? This weekend. It's non-stop. We've got... Mm. It's almost like I don't know what the calendar is anymore. Um, <laughs> it's triple header are we in now? Is it Brazil the weekend is it the after? as well? Oh, no, it's not. Answer. There's a week off before Brazil. It's a double header at the end. It's Brazil then Abu Dhabi, isn't it? Uh, it's... Yes. Yes, it is. You're right. Um, any, any thoughts and feelings before we get into predictions for Mexico? Things you're looking out for? Uh, Sergio Perez I think um, would like to have a good performance there I think given the fact that Red Bull have wrapped up the championship both championships now um, if Perez has got a chance of winning a home race at all ever then this is probably his best chance yeah absolutely Um, and it'd be so good to see as well yeah it would be I, um, I think it'd be a very happy day um, yeah. Sergio Perez winning at home. Imagine his um, dad. Hasn't, hasn't, hasn't he had pole at home, but he's never got the win? Uh, he's definitely had a podium there because I remember his dad celebrating it like it was a win. Hmm. Can someone in the chat help us out with that one? I'm sure someone will dive in with some stats. Yeah. Um, I wonder what Mexico will be like for the Mercedes. I think the engine, engines aren't really. Like we always talk about the difference in engines with the altitude, but. The engines yeah. are so close together these days. They are Will close together, but make I, a huge uh, difference. Well, yeah, it could do because um, obviously with the air being thinner, you've got to use more fuel over the course of a race. Um, because obviously, to get the same amount of fire from the air, then yeah. you need to burn more fuel. Um, and Mercedes are not. If the if the rumors are true, well, if the if the theory is true that that the E10 fuel in the in the Mercedes isn't doing as as much good for them, then obviously they're going to have to fill it with more fuel. Yeah, it might compound their issues. Yeah, you could... Yeah, you, yeah that. <laughs> um, it, it all points to it being a Red Bull weekend, though, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it's very firmly a Red Bull weekend. I think Ferrari and Mercedes maybe... Well, I think Mercedes might actually even struggle at this circuit and... Ferrari be sort of in between the two of them. Yeah, would be my theory. Mm-hmm. Right then, I'm going to make you go first. Mission throw you straight in. Fastest in Q3. Verstappen. Actually, no, Perez, please. I'll take Perez. Um, I am going to go Verstappen for fastest in Q3. I am, however, going to go Perez for the win. I'm going to go Perez for the win as well. There's maybe this is just me being a bit romantic, but there is a small part of me 
that thinks, and I, even as I'm saying it, I understand how ridiculous this is and no racing driver is actually going to do this, but there is still a small part of me that thinks that given the opportunity, Max might give Perez this win as like a thank you for the last couple of years. I'm almost certain it won't happen, but there's just a small part of me that thinks it's a possibility. Well, it's funny because I feel the same way and you've Mm. articulated it so well. (laughs) Uh, Thanks. I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, it is difficult to see him actually doing, but maybe we're just being disparaging. Like, we've never... The thing is, like, we've never actually seen post-world championship... First, oh, we've only seen one race worth of yeah. post-world championship Max Verstappen, so... And it didn't seem to slow him down much, did it? Um, no. And as someone like just anything. said in the chat, like, he does only need one more victory to take the outright record for victories in the season as well, so he's not going to give it up. Yeah, there's, that there's stuff at stake, but... Um, I can't not say Perez, though. Yeah, I, can, I really want Perez to get this win. I'd, and I'd love to get points for Perez getting the oh, ball and a win be as great. well. Yeah. And, and um, also, the, you know, there's something to be said for being at your home race and absolutely gagging for that race win as well. He's oh, got the car it, for it. He's going to be, yeah, pushing so He has had, like, he's had wins this season, or a win this season. So, yeah. He's got it in him, for sure. Yeah, it exists within the man. Who first is your DNF. first DNF? Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> Are you actually? Yeah, why not? That's the only way Perez is winning it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say... Alpha on a really rough run at the moment. I'm going to say Joe. Um, number of finishers, it's my turn to go first. Ten- we tend to lose quite a few cars in this race, don't we? Yeah, overheating. Yeah, I'm going to say 16. And we'll go with the Magic 17. Classic 17. And then a random driver. It's not that random because there's only one left and it is Max Verstappen. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and say 20th. First DNF. I, however, am going to be a coward and hedge my bets and say first. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, he probably will win. There's... Uh, <laughs> I'm just making silly predictions. No, knowing I can save a stop and first for the random driver makes me saying Perez for the win <laughs> ever mm. so slightly easy to do. Uh, right, that's what we think. Uh, but as I said before, you can go to backgrid.com to put in your predictions. Uh, there's a prize frame we can get five out of five. And obviously there'll be a prize for the season champion in a few weeks' time as well. So yeah, head on over and enter. Shall we finish up with some inbox? Yeah, let's. Is. Uh, keep me saying now. But stay, but stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. <laughs> Do you want to take? Shall I take the first one? Go for it. Okay. Um, Kilowog says, understanding there are extra cars and increased risk, wouldn't the right way to discourage turn one incidents to be to have even harsher penalties instead of more lenient? Drivers would be more cautious with starts and racing lines, and we'd get cleaner releases. We would, but where's the fun in that? Mm. It's it's got it's like the argument against that. Oh, we'll be lenient because it's turn one, isn't it? Um, it's interesting. I, think, I, I mean, there's think... always there's always going to be gamesmanship and people taking advantage of the fact that it's turn one. 
Like we've seen Alonso do it, we've seen yeah. Verstappen do it, we've seen Hamilton do it, we've seen we've seen them all do it. Yeah, drivers know they can get away with more on lap one because it is lap one. Um, I'm not sure. I think even harsh is the right way to go, but I I do think the oh it's lap one gets used a little bit too liberally sometimes. Yeah, I think I could maybe be wound back a bit, but. Um, Knowing racing drivers, I don't think giving harsh penalties would actually make them back off all that much. No, I, I think if you're, I think it just has to be clear. Clearer would be nice. Like, I yeah. think, again, it comes down to that consistency thing. Like, if you know that you plowing into the side of someone in turn one and taking them out of the race is not going to get you a penalty, <laughs> then, you know, if there's a world championship at stake, look at Prost Senna. Like, it's going to. Yeah going to happen you know because that's where that came from that whole situation came about because of this this idea that things are much more much less harshly judged because it's turn one and everyone's together mm-hmm. um and just imagine if that happened now well, <laughs> oh, just God. for a second just imagine oh my that. goodness um the internet would have an aneurysm um Yeah, my feeling is that it's kind of it's 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 not too bad the way it is at the moment. Really, um, it's it is one of those grey areas that is always going to be really really difficult to 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 police. And when you've got twenty cars all pl- piling into turn one together at the same time, it's always going to be difficult to 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 judge who's at fault a lot of the time. Yeah, well. that's true. Um, just as it was, I think with the, I think if you look at if you do if you really look at Science and Russell objectively, the the jink to the left from Science was very unexpected. If 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 Science doesn't jink to the right like that, then everyone comes out of that corner clean and everyone's happy. I don't think jink anyone to took left, that line that Science took through that yeah. corner for the entire weekend. He was he was the only car to make that <laughs> odd movement at that point on the racetrack yeah. throughout the entire weekend. Um, so I think it is a little bit harsh to judge Russell too harshly for for his part in the incident. I think he was kind of like in in a position where he he just there was nothing much he could do. Like if he, if he slows down too much, someone's going into the back of him. So yeah, um, again, it's, it's look. It's not for us to sort this out. It's up for the FIA to sort it out. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's for them to find a way of being consistent in all situations, and I think that's what it really needs more than anything else. Yeah, but I, they definitely like being able to have the magic. It was lap one one. They can just wave over problems to make them it's true to not have to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, next question from McCheco. Should they simply have red flagged the race yesterday? Everyone could have repaired their cars to some degree and we could have avoided frustrating retrospective punishments. Hmm, no. I was quite surprised they didn't red flag it, to be honest. Yeah, you were you were you were sort of chatting away. As soon as I, as soon as like you saw the shot of the crash, my gut feeling was like, oh that's definitely gonna be a red flag. Um yeah, I, I I must admit my gut said that as well. But then it then it quite quickly became clear that there was quite a lot of space on the track, and there was mm. a lot of the debris kind of got cleared away quite quickly as well from the look of it. So they did, do, it did do a good job of it. Up, it did get picked up and s- smashed around by the cars well, yeah. that were coming through. I th- 
I guess if Alonso had stopped as well, they maybe would have done. But the fact that it was only one car that needed recovering, yeah. maybe that was what made them just stick with a safety car. Um, and I think if if there's an opportunity to keep the race going and not red flag it and not have to do a whole standing start again or like bring them all out behind the safety car and, and all that again, then you might as well keep it going. Like no no one was particularly at risk after no, and after it had happened. We also got confirmation that again, as a result of what happened in Japan, that they did the new thing of. Uh, race control sent a message to all teams to be relayed to the drivers to tell them there is a recovery happening it is on this part of the track and the safety car did seem to noticeably go slower past the scene as well which is all all good stuff all what people have been screaming out for it's a step in the right direction i think that it could be made slightly more efficient by giving the race director a direct line to all of the cars just I mean, why don't they do that? Why do they have to make it so that the, the race director tells the team that it's up to the team to tell the driver? Maybe just... something they're working on for next season. There might be a tech tech reason why they can't do that. I mean, Possibly. if they can give us if they can give us Michael Massey bickering with <laughs> every team principal on the grid, then they missed opportunities to do that. Yeah, they can. I'm sure they can communicate with every car at once. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't think it should have been a red flag. I'm quite happy that it that they stayed out and they got it done and kept it going. Next question. Oh yeah, me and the next one. Um, Mike P says, "Hey man, um, which driver's hat should Tom purchase for the 2023 season? <laughs> Who should Tom move his curse over to? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, in the interests of spicing things up, Verstappen's the obvious answer." Yeah, he's winning, he's winning too to, much, so he needs the Tom the, curse. The thing is, then he'd have to go around wearing a Verstappen hat. Yeah, you have to just have a lot of holidays to uh, Holland. He'd be all right. Should <laughs> <laughs> the next one? Next one from Alexia. Uh, Brad Pitt was in the pit lane for research on a secret F1 film project, and also trying to get some good PR because he's not a very nice person apparently i'm not going to complete that sentence the way i was intending to um what f1 topic would you like to see a film made about if they had access to all f1 info and conversations whether that's historical or something where you'd find out more behind the scenes detail i've great question yeah i've got one about a freelancer who every weekend for like three or four years goes and does every race and works really really hard but just does the same job every weekend and i don't think she was asking for a horror movie slowly (laughs) (laughs) gets more and more depressed (laughs) um i mean brawn is like the obvious answer but i feel like we already like know so much behind the scenes stuff from that anyway and there's already a documentary being made about it um I think something from back in like the fifties or sixties would be good if they could like unearth like a lot of previously like unknown rush. like detail. No, I'm thinking even further back than that. Like oh, seventy six, wasn't it? Rush. Yeah, I'm thinking like you know, maybe even like back in the Fangio era or something, or like you know Moss and all of that. Yeah, I think like my favorite. So like yeah, that's that's a good angle actually because my favorite cars are the are the old sort of sixties ones where they were like cigar shaped, the bathtub with, full of fuel. Yeah, basically. Um, I really enjoyed those cars, and I think you could make them. You could make a really beautiful film 
using those cars yeah. as well. So I'd like to see that. And I think those cars were a lot more dynamic as well. They looked like that. it'd be easier on a technical perspective to make those cars look like real cars going around a racetrack because the problem with Formula One, particularly in film, is it's very, very difficult to make a Formula One car look real on film unless yeah. you're actually watching the sport because they go so fast and they go through corners so fast. It look it often looks like it's being fast forwarded. Yeah. And it's really, really strange. So that they had this exact problem with um I think Iron Man two. They went to the oh, Monaco yeah. classic and uh, yes. they had loads of classic cars going around and they, they filmed a load of stuff and couldn't use any of it. They had to literally they slowed them down with CJI to make it look more real mm-hmm. because they didn't look real because they were going so quick. Yeah. So um yeah, that's my boring sort of technical insight into it's right like f- fast laps don't really look that fast anymore like that's the other thing yeah yeah like they look, they're wet, so smooth when you see cars being a bit more ragged it looks more dynamic and fast even though they're like seconds a lap slower yeah yeah yeah, yeah i think so that'd be good here to do though. yeah maybe like a biopic about or maybe just like a maybe it's like the origins of the the whole sport so yeah, how maybe it came like, about in the first place, and you know th- what was at stake for everyone, like the daredevils, the the pioneers, and everything. Yeah, that's a film I want to watch. That's the film. shall we go away and make that film? Chris? Let's go make that. Yeah, Brad Pitt, if you're listening, <laughs> give me a shout. Alex Woodward say asks if the rumor is true that Ricardo is going to sign up as a Red, Red Bull reverse dri- reverse reserve driver. Um, what is he hoping to achieve? There won't be an available seat there for years. There'll never be an available seat there in a race no. car for Daniel Ricciardo. He, I don't think he'll go back there. It's a weird one, isn't it? Like that seemed to come out of nowhere this weekend. Um, the the only motivation, I guess, would be that he would still be around a top team, and you know maybe get some seat time, but like. Okay, so here's here's an angle. Going to Red Bull would potentially make him a more valuable driver to other teams. That's true. To be the reserve driver. Yeah, I hadn't thought so of it that way. That could be a sensible move to have that on your CV. Uh, I'm sure the amount of like NDAs and stuff they must have to sign. That's the thing. Crazy, how much would they tell him knowing he could knowing go elsewhere? He could go anywhere. Yeah, I think you'd have to have a really really watertight contract. Yeah. So I. Personally, I don't think Red Bull would have him. I don't see what they... Like, they're not sure drivers. At all. I think it's... This This rumour's... We can put this rumour to bed. I don't think it's happening. I mean, the week before, it was that he's going to go to Mercedes to be their reserve, and I can almost see that there's more chance of that happening than in going back to Red Bull, to be honest. Yeah, he's been driving a Mercedes engine around for the last yeah. couple of years, so there's, there's a... There's, there is a kind of a logic to it, and it... At least he'd be with a team that he's probably never going to get that drive either. But at least no. he'd. Like, I don't, but then again, at the same time, I don't see what Mercedes have got to benefit from that either. So, no, again, they they have obviously they've lost De Vries, who was their kind of go-to guy now. But like, they still have other drivers around. Like I, I get why Ricardo wants to stay connected to a team, but I, I'd kind of rather just see him go and like go to IndyCar, go to WEC. Like I think he'd have so much more fun doing that. 
He won't. I don't think he'd like. He it. would be. A I don't think he'd like the ovals. He's already said. He literally said, "F that." I'm scared of ovals. Yeah. But he might have been messing around. He might have been. I you mean, know what he he's could, like. He could. He could do what Grosjean did. Grosjean only did the road courses for his first season, and then he kind of decided if he was something he wanted to keep going and push onto the ovals with. I don't know. Hmm. Don't know about okay. that one. Yeah. Uh, Last one. Final question from Paper Camera. If you could shuffle the teams and drivers any way you wanted, regardless of cost or previous allegiances, what would you do? That's a big question. I don't think we're gonna do the whole grid, but let's let's no, shuffle yeah, a few let's, let's shuffle do, a few drivers your, around. Do your top two, do your top two, I think. Um Well we could maybe do more than that. But uh I think initially like my, my fir- the first thing that comes to mind is put Hamilton and Verstappen in the same car. Yeah. <laughs> Like and just put all the arguments to bed about who's better because they're in the same machinery. I think oh, do you know what you do? You send them both to Ferrari. Oh, that way that's there's no so good. there's there's no previous there's no team built around them already. You just send them both to Ferrari. It's like that right, is... you you're clearly the two best drivers out there. Now go and deal with this team and see if you can yeah. still do it. Hmm. Um, I do. I have a fantasy world where Norris and Russell are on the same team as well. I think that's a distinct possibility in the next few years. Actually, I think what yeah, I think like when Hamilton decides to hang up his boots, especially now Ocon, because Ocon was always on Mercedes' list, but now he's tied into Alpine. I can't see that happening. Yeah. Um, Who would you that's... send to Red Bull in Verstappen's place? Ricardo. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh... Uh, Nick DeVries yeah gotta keep that if we can do that does it have to be this year's grid I do what you want I do what I want I will do what I want it's my podcast it's our podcast Um, yeah I think think I've done this one now (laughs) yeah that's the the big one all the interesting content out of that question (laughs) Um, I'd probably sack Alonso off and put a young driver in his place as well (laughs) although I am kind of interested in what Alonso does next year yeah I think that the fun is like putting like the best drive, like really really high end drivers in teams together, isn't it? So like you, yeah. you've got like you put like Leclerc with you know with your Hamiltons of the world or whatever. Like you, I suppose that you you've got your three number one drivers in the top team that are yeah. really you kind of they they are really meaty meaty boys, aren't they? So that's what you want. Yeah. Right. I think that about wraps us up for this week. Um, as we said before, if you want to get involved with Grid Rival and with our Predictions League, just head to backgrid.com. You can also find a Contact Us form on there. You can also go to all of the various social media things and get in touch with us in all of those various ways. Um, shout out to all of the um, Discord people who were at Cirque the Americas this weekend. Uh, who was there? It was Jeff and Wes and... Oh, my brain's failing me. Uh, Cody was there, and some of the Discord helped me. I'm definitely remembering, uh, forgetting some people who were there. Uh, Jose was there as well. Goodness, terrible. Um, but yeah, they they were all there and um, waving a back the grid flag as well, which was very briefly on TV from the drone cam. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I had a really good time, and they were sending us lots of uh, on the scene reports and photos and stuff. So very glad you guys had an awesome time there that will do us for this week though 
we'll be back in a week's time to review the Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, a new Mexican place has just opened in town, so I will probably go and get some tacos to celebrate over that weekend. Ooh, what's it called? I oh Cabron, I think it's called Cabron nice. Tacos and Oh cocktails. yeah, I, I, you say in town, and I still think you live near me. That's a shame. I don't. Not anymore. <laughs> come on down. If, if 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 there's any way I'll get Stu to come down and visit me at my new new place of abode, it'll be four tacos. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, you don't need to. You don't need to bribe me with tacos for me to come over there. You know, I'll come over any any time, Chris. All right, right. fine. No tacos. We're, for you. we're beginning to sound like practice with Crofty now. Let's let's crack on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the point. We have to quit. Right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in a week's time. But until then, goodbye. Bye.